0: Welcome to Choate's Enforcement and Investigations Updates, a podcast series hosted by our Government Enforcement and Compliance Group. On this show, we discuss timely analysis of legal and compliance developments, court decisions, and changes in legislation and regulations related to white-collar defense, global investigations, and whistleblower claims.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast series. My name is Diana Lloyd. I'm co-chair of the Government Enforcement and Compliance Practice at CHODE. I'm joined here today by Rebecca Wilsker, my colleague in our private equity practice. Today, we are going to talk to you for a few minutes about business and enforcement issues we are seeing in connection with the Paycheck Protection Program, which is a program enacted in the wake of the COVID pandemic. By way of background, the disruptions caused by the COVID pandemic have taken many forms. As we have worked with our clients to navigate COVID-related challenges, we have learned that the regulatory landscape under the CARES Act is a source of many questions and concerns among our clients. Some businesses, like those in the healthcare industry, are used to dealing with a complex regulatory and enforcement landscape, but many are not. Today, and in coming installments of this series, we hope to demystify some of the issues surrounding the CARES Act that are relevant to the business community. To give some context, the CARES Act is a federal law enacted in March 2020 to provide economic assistance to those adversely affected by COVID-related economic hardship. We're going to focus on one aspect of the CARES Act, the Paycheck Protection Program, known as PPP. Under the PPP, Congress authorized over $600 million to fund potentially forgivable loans to small businesses intended to help those businesses stay afloat and keep employees on the payroll. The problem was, however, that at the outset, available funds were limited. So there was an initial frenzy of activity as small businesses rushed to apply for these loans. Because the PPP program was rolled out so quickly, the loans became available before the regulations governing those loans were in place. My colleague, Rebecca Wilsker, has been following regulatory developments closely. So Rebecca, could you
0: speak for a few minutes about some of the issues that have arisen from the regulations? Diana, you you called it a frenzy, and you are absolutely right. From the moment the program was announced, people were lining up to try to take out these loans. And you've hit the biggest problem on the head by mentioning the timing. The PPP is administered by the Treasury Department and the Small Business Administration, or the SBA. And they knew businesses needed this money fast, so they got the program up and running as quickly as they could just a couple of days after the CARES Act was enacted. But that means they didn't have time to hammer out all the details, and that's where borrowers and potential borrowers have run into trouble. Treasury and the SBA have released guidance piecemeal throughout the process, including almost 30 separate announcements in the first 60 days of the program. Borrowers have had to try to keep up. For some borrowers who applied for loans early, that meant that rules and requirements changed for them while they were already in the process of obtaining or using their loan. Even businesses that took more of a wait-and-see approach had this problem weeks or months later as guidance continued to come out. The most common issues I saw at the start of the program were around trying to figure out whether a business was actually eligible for a loan. The PPP is aimed at small businesses, but the definition of small has a lot of nuance. For most businesses, it's based on the number of employees, but the counting methodology under the regulations gets very complicated for businesses backed by institutional investors like private equity or venture capital funds or for franchises like many restaurants, or for businesses that may have an international component. Though the PPP started in March, the SBA was still releasing guidance on how to count employees through May. A second wave of confusion set in a few weeks later when the SBA started releasing guidance on something that initially seemed like an uncontroversial part of the program. The PPP application requires a borrower to confirm that it's been adversely affected by the coronavirus pandemic and that it really needs the loan. For most businesses, this seemed like a no-brainer. However, when the first round of data came out describing who had actually received PPP loans, there were some big names on that list that got people scratching their heads. Shake Shack was a well-publicized company that got a PPP loan, and folks were really struggling to see how it made sense when these loans were supposed to go to mom-and-pop shops. So the SBA tried to make clearer that there's some higher level of need that was required to get a loan. Your business didn't have to be going bankrupt, but the situation needed to be serious. In a series of FAQs and rules, however, the SBA never really got down to brass tacks on what that meant, and so many businesses agonized over whether their situation would count or not. Folks worried that if the SBA didn't like a borrower's rationale at the end of the day, then there might be fraud charges. The SBA ultimately offered the opportunity for borrowers to give back their loans, no questions asked, in order to avoid this, and many borrowers decided to do just that. Now that it's been a few months, we're into a new phase, borrowers who took out loans and kept them are now starting to apply to have those loans forgiven. The SBA released drafts of the loan forgiveness application back in June, but we're still hearing from some lenders that they haven't begun accepting forgiveness applications yet because they want the SBA to provide more guidance or to clarify certain points before they start working through the forgiveness process with borrowers. The SBA released its last update on this topic in late August, and we've been keeping an eye out for more.
1: Thanks, Rebecca. That's really useful information. As a follow-up question, if someone wants to look up the regulations or FAQs themselves, where can they find them?
0: The Treasury Department has the best inventory of the rules. There's FAQs, other materials, all posted on one website. Borrowers can also find the forgiveness applications there. We'll post a link because it's a little hard to find, but it's under the Assistance for Small Business section of treasury.gov.
1: So businesses that applied for and received PPP loans in good faith may be surprised to find themselves facing government enforcement activity as borrowers are scrutinized under the new regulatory landscape. The Treasury Department has already announced that all loans over two million dollars will be audited. It is not yet clear exactly how this audit function will be staffed and how intrusive the auditing process will be. However, the public outcry over seemingly successful businesses that took sizable PPP loans suggests that there will be a serious effort to review whether businesses apply for these loans in good faith and potentially whether they appropriately sought forgiveness for certain
0: aspects of the loans. That's right. And the SBA doesn't usually run programs on this scale. The PPP is tacked onto an existing SBA loan program. But for comparison, in all of 2019, that program gave out about $30 billion in loans. The PPP handed out about $350 billion just in its first few weeks. Audits and other enforcement activities will likely take some time because of the number of entities that took out these loans. Diana, given the shifting rules from the SBA about eligibility, about how proceeds need to be used, and about what borrowers have to show about their need for the loans, what should businesses be doing to put themselves in the best position in case of an audit?
1: It is critically important that businesses that applied for PPP loans document why they believe they needed the loan due to the uncertainty surrounding COVID. It is also important for businesses to keep detailed records of exactly how loan proceeds were spent. If audits don't occur for a couple of years, when personnel changes have happened and memories have faded, it may be difficult to reconstruct the thought process of decision makers in March and April of 2020. So it is important that businesses pull that documentation together now. In preparation for audits or other enforcement activities, businesses should also ensure that they have in-house counsel or outside counsel prepared to respond when the government comes knocking. While the Treasury Department talks in terms of audits, other agencies may get involved in enforcement activities as well, including the Department of Justice, the Securities and Exchange Commission, and the IRS. In fact, within the last two months, the Treasury Department and various U.S. Attorney's offices have announced collaborations that will mean increased staffing to review actions of businesses in connection with PPP loans. We expect that banks that have issued PPP loans to customers may also face scrutiny, which could also lead to more enforcement activity. For example, It was reported that JP Morgan Chase is investigating whether its customers and its own employees engaged in improper conduct in connection with the PPP program. It was also reported that JP Morgan will cooperate with law enforcement where appropriate. JP Morgan's internal investigation is just one example. It is likely that we will see other similar investigations, either generated internally or more likely because the government is investigating suspected misconduct. Going forward, we expect to provide further updates as circumstances warrant. but we hope you have found this PPP update informative. Thank you so much for tuning in. For more information about CHOAT and our government enforcement and private equity practices, please visit www.choat.com.
0: The information presented in this recording is for educational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice for a specific situation. If you wish to obtain legal advice, you should retain an attorney and explain the facts of your particular situation.